call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 44 of Call It Friend of the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Donna Katirnan, watch Josh Whedon's 2005 film Serenity, the follow-up to the TV show Firefly. As always, this podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. Please follow Call It Friend of podcast on Instagram, like the Facebook page, leave a review on iTunes, or any or all of the above. Please send any questions or recommendations to callitfriendofpodcast at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram. Dear Buddha, please bring me a pony and a plastic rocket. All right, what have you been watching? Well, because I had to watch seven episodes of the TV show Firefly, I only watched one other thing this week, which was the final episode of Loki season one. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Season two. Oh, well, I know there's a season two. There's a season two <laughs> coming in the in the works. I don't care spoilers about it. for I the like, end yeah. of uh, spoilers for the end of episode six, but the final thing is like a kind of passport thing getting stamped, and it says Loki will return in season two. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think it, like. It's not just me who's been shouting it, uh, but like for me, so far anyway, I genuinely think it's the best thing the MCU has done. Like, really. Well, I think that's why they renewed it, mm. is listening to you. <laughs> it was definitely because you said it was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm glad they listened, that's all. But did, did, did it, it stuck the landing then, I gather. Yeah, I don't know how much to actually talk about it. I had uh, a bunch of things to say, but... Talk away. I just assumed... Well, I assumed you would have watched it. Yeah, I didn't. I assumed you would watch it. Well, okay, I would say that they stuck the landing. I really enjoyed the last episode. They've successfully started the journey into phase four with the introduction of a character. We pretty much already discussed this. You kind of know who's at the end of the, the end of time, right? At the um, end of episode five, when they're coming into the, it's they got past what's his the name again? Dog guard, dog. Uh, the it's um Kang. Well, yeah, okay. It's he who remains, but one of his variants is Kang the Conqueror, mm-hmm. and he will be. He's the next big baddie in the MCU. Does that name mean anything to, to you? He's he's like no, but apparently the uh, character goes back to comic books starting in the nineteen sixties. So there's been a lot of that. I don't know. I don't know any of this stuff. Me neither. At all. But it looks like an interesting character. It's from like the 26th century or something. So, See, I um, I read it like I, I did go through a period of reading uh, a lot of comics. But um, the to listen to some people like break down these episodes and the MCU in general, like the amount of reading you must have to do to have full knowledge of this stuff. And plus as well, there are certain eras of comic books that are just not readable nowadays. They're not good, mm. you know? Like, w- w- um, let's see, one of the most iconic Batman stories ever is uh, they base The Dark Knight Rises partially on it. It's called Nightfall, yeah? Um, uh, where Bane breaks Batman's back. But the f- oh, whole yeah. first half... Like pages of it only. Yeah, well, that's quite the iconic image. And Christopher Nolan straight out just, yeah, he used that. But uh, the first entire half of the book is just, um, and uh, so that would be like, I don't know, five or six issues. It's a big fat book. So Bane lets all the inmates out of Arkham Asylum and Batman has to go around rounding them up. And the thing is, so you get the whole um, rogues gallery of Batman villains. 
And some of them are just fucking daft. Like, there's a reason Killer Croc never made it to the fucking movies, you know? It's just... Well, I think that's what the the next uh, James Gunn Suicide Squad yeah. film is going to do. Because like, they've got that one guy, Button Man. Polka Dot Man James or something. Gunn chose. Yeah, was well, that what he's called? Something they like that, yeah. They chose the, the shittest superhero they could. Or but have you seen that could. he's um, shot a series with um, John Cena, based on his character from that? No. Yeah, yeah. A series. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know where it's going to land. I uh, no. I, HBO Max. It's going to be on HBO Max. Okay. And uh, Gun shot four episodes of it already. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds good. People uh, busy beavers during pandemics. Anyway, that. Uh, so yeah, stuck the landing for you. So yeah, yeah, and uh, Jonathan Majors. This isn't a spoiler to say the actor Jonathan Majors, who's playing Kang the Conqueror and He Who Remains. He's excellent. He's really, really good. And I think he, I think they made the right choice. I think this will be an appropriate big baddie post Thanos, and I'm excited to see where they go with the whole multiverse angle. It's it's impressive to me how they've segued because I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, there was a genuine fear that yes. the average viewer wouldn't be able to grasp what was going on. But yes, we're so far past all those cosmic elements now, entering the whole multiverse thing that it feels like with all the TVA and. The Owen Wilsonness of things. Mm. It all seems very clear. Like I, I, there's multiple films coming up which are all multiverse. Connected. Well, yeah, sure. Have you seen the cast list for the upcoming Spider-Man film? Yeah, it's everyone. Yeah, yeah, literally yeah. everyone. Jamie Fox is coming back as Electro. Andrew Garfield yeah. has been Alfred on set. Marina's, uh, Doctor. Octopus. Yeah, yeah, it's madness. Yeah. I like. I mean, looking forward to. And like the thing is, as well. Because, yeah, I'm definitely, like, I'm definitely going to go see Black Widow probably an evening this week. But uh, it just, it, like, it occurred to me that I've seen so many of these movies now, it would have to be, like, three shit ones in a row for me not to go. I have complete faith yeah, uh, in what they're doing. So apart from Kevin Feige, the person, the showrunner on Loki is Michael Waldron. And he's a long-term uh, Dan Harmon associate from the Community Days. And he worked on Harmon Quest, which I watched the entire thing. What's Harmon Quest? Uh, he worked on Rick and Morty. Harmon Quest was uh, a live-action Dungeons & Dragons game where Dan Harmon and... What's his ex-wife called? The one who lives in Ireland? I'm not sure. I know John Spillane is Aaron, friends with her. The lady yeah, who did yeah, Drunk yeah. History. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one, yeah, friend of John Spillane. What's her name? Erin? Aaron McGathy, is that? Is that I, I think it's Aaron anyway, yes. Yeah, Aaron, sorry, I don't speak Irish. Uh she so yeah, so uh, those two are on it. It's just it's like a live action uh, live action Dungeons and Dragons game and every week they would have on like you know some kind of improv person or um stand-up comic. And then it's animated. Hmm. Anyway, so Mike Michael Waldron worked on that as well, but he has also written the script. He's a co-writer for the next Doctor Strange film, Multiverse of Madness. Which is being directed by Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. It's all interconnected. There we it's are. It's all connected now. They, they brought Raimi into the MCU and they brought everything into the MCU now. They've got Fantastic Four on the way with John Watts. John okay. Watts is directing Fantastic Four? Yeah. I did not know that. That's, it doesn't. I don't think it has a, a release date. Did you see the, um, the Josh Trank Fantastic Four? I did not. I have nothing against Josh Trank. I well, like, no, Chronicle we've discussed is, Chronicle is before, I think. I like Chronicle. I still haven't watched his Fonzo or whatever it's called. Don't know what that, that is. he directed. It's the Al Capone biopic thing, but from the period of his life where 
he had syphilis. Is this the one where Tom Hardy plays him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's directed by Josh Trank. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, I mean, Josh T. Rank. Good, he's still working, I suppose. Apparently, he's a bit but of no, a, I haven't a watched a Fantast Four stick. Yeah, I heard he's a bit of a knobhead, mm. but who knows? Sure, there you go. But Chronicle was good, so that's fine. It was very and good. And if yeah. we're talking, we will eventually get on to sci fi directors who are knobheads but can make things that are decent. There's <laughs> a potential that that might come up in today's conversation. Indeed, indeed. Well, we'll get to Firefly. You didn't watch anything anyway, else. Anyway, that was it. I just I watched seven episodes of Firefly, that one episode of Loki, and that was it. And well, the film Serenity. I had an art house week and then some. Oh, God. Okay. So I'll try and run through these quickly enough. That's right. Give me the cliff notes. Okay. So I watched The Piano Teacher, uh, written and directed by uh, Michael Haneke. That's quite sexy, is it not? I feel like I've seen it. Oh, it's grim as well. Have you seen this? She's an older lady. So yeah, if if she, uh, Isabel um, Hooper plays a a piano teacher who lives with her mother, who's got like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's paced like a Haneke movie. So you're just watching her live her life, uh, you know. Being a piano teacher, she's got a weird relationship with her mother who's a bit domineering. And then all of a sudden, we just see her going into this porno store, go into a booth and watch like some hardcore scenes while sniffing the old cum tissues. So we know oh, this lady's got some that. stuff going on. You judge know? not lest ye be judged. This is it. I mean, it's it's heavy stuff, really. It's I'm like, I, like it's a good movie. It's not my favorite Haniki movie. I would say that's still probably a cachet. I don't know if you've seen that or funny games. But I mean, I've seen the first Funny Games. I didn't watch the the Hollywood remake they did. They're I like pretty much the, the same the same movie. To That's be honest. what I thought. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't want to see Michael Pitt. But uh, like, yeah, for example, uh, his film, what's it called? Uh, the White Ribbon. That's just too much for me. It's just I couldn't tolerate it. This is just about on the edge. But yeah, interesting. Next, then I watched uh, I've uh, Ibitaloni. Ibitaloni. It's a 1953 um, comedy drama. Directed by Federico Fellini. It's pretty much the blueprint for films like uh, Mean Streets or American Graffiti or um, Diner, for example. But is it, like, I would honestly say it's better than any, any of them. It's really, really good. It's basically the in-betweeners for post-war Italy. It's quite funny, but just so kind of realistic that it's almost sad as well at the same time. And like, you can... This was really when he was... I don't know. I, I, I've... I've seen some later Fellinis where I feel like he might have had too much of a legendary status and had too much room to play, but this is a tight enough number. I really enjoyed it. And I really recommend it. Plus, yeah, I don't know how to say bus wanker in Italian, <laughs> I'm, which I, is a shame. I learned almost nothing in my time there. I should, I should watch The Inbetweeners again. I remember loving that when it <laughs> well, came I'd out. I'd rather watch that than a Fellini film from 1953. Dude, it's really good. Am I uncultured is my question. Dude, it's really good. I, I, I like. Higher I really enjoyed it. One thing that's ma- like is a uh, how um, modern some of the themes are. There's like uh, premarital sex and pregnancy and homosexuality, both of the like I don't know uh, repressed kind and predatory kind. Uh, it's a good movie. I quite enjoyed it. And uh, oh, you're not gonna like any any. any th- well, there's one that I watched that you might. <laughs> Does like. it get worse than this? Uh, well, I'm sure it's fine, but so yeah. the next thing I watched was uh, before the revolution, which was. Um, uh, 90, Bernardo, Bernardo Bertolucci's real arrival on the scene. It's like the second of his movies that I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, that again, I really, really enjoyed this. But uh, it's it's a strange one. So 
what happens in it is you got this young lad who's flirting with joining the Italian Commun- Communist Party, basically. Uh, his friend commits suicide, and then he breaks up with his girlfriend and starts kind of having it off with his aunt. But the thing is, wh- the way they cast the movie, like, I don't know, it's just his aunt is like the sexiest woman in the world or something. The Italians, nice. like, like Italian actresses from the 60s and 70s, like Claudia Cardinelli and fucking Sophia Loren, they just sort of had something, and like, like they use that to 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 guide you in it, and it's basically like you know, it's a film about all the muddled up ideas you might have in your head before you you get your head on your shoulders in your mid twenties and say, all right, well, I guess I'm not a fucking communist anymore. You know, it's interesting, it's good. You can see a lot of, um, you can see Scorsese would have gotten a lot from this this film. I would say. What was it called? It's called uh, Before the Revolution. Mm. Now, this one, whatever. You should watch this. Everyone should watch this. I watched Roman Polanski's first movie. It's called Knife in the Water. It is fucking mm. fantastic. It's so tight, right? So it's just like this couple is driving out to a lake or they're going to go on a boat for a bit. They pick up this hitchhiker, kind of take him along. And there's just this sexual murderous tension on the boat. It's 90 minutes. It's tight as fuck, and you just fucking feel something's going to happen all the time. Great performances, really well shot. Fantastic. Um, I really, really highly recommend that. Could, could not go wrong with Knife in the Water. Where was that filmed? Is that a French film? No, it's in Poland. It's all in Poland. Oh, is, he, is, he, is he Polish? Is he originally Polish? Yeah, he's Polish. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I know he's still alive. He became French at some point. Um, yeah, well, he made a lot of movies in French. Was that after he had sex with a 13-year-old or whatever? Um, they gave him French I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Is that how that works? Yes. I mean, okay. I think you can do you that said in France. It, not me. I think that's when you became French. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's yeah. when they... I have respect for France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The authorities rushed over to his house, and as he was pulling up his trousers, he just whipped <laughs> out his new passport. It's like, excuse me. Passport. We got this ready for you, Mr. Polanski. <laughs> General Polanski. You'll be leading the army. <laughs> Aujourd'hui. Uh, I had to do the accent, didn't I? That wasn't even an accent. And then the other thing I watched, which is very much, um, I'm very much typecasting my content. I watched uh, the first series of Motherland, which is basically a Sharon Horgan, Graham Linehan penned comedy okay. about um, being a mother around London. It's funny. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, called yeah. Motherland. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's like you know, it's, it's it there. feels like a 1990s sitcom, to be honest. You know. Well, that's because Graham Linehan's attached. Hey, G- Graham Linehan. Nineties values. There you go. Oh yeah, Graham Linehan doesn't like trans people, does he? Does not. He gets in a lot of trouble. Indeed. Yeah. Um, I can't believe you supported his work by watching it. But you're then and by tweeting out that he was right. In the meantime, like I tried to get. I tried to get as much of Firefly watched during the week as well before fi- giving into Serenity. I think I got. Uh, let me just have a look. Oh Were yeah, you I watching got, them I, in order, or did you go back and pick out episodes that you prefer? No, or? I should have done that, but no, I'm just too anal when it comes to stuff like this. No, the last one I watched was the one with um, Christina Hendricks. The first time or the second time? Huh? Oh She's right, she comes back, does she? She comes back. Yeah, I, I can tell you this as someone who's. Watched her second appearance just the other day. Uh, okay, well, the first one in that Saffron. case. Saffron. Saffron, yeah, yeah, that's right. God, Christina she's tidy. Christina Hendricks, peak, peak Christina Hendricks, pre-Mad Men. Yeah, very tidy. Did you ever see the... Um, some people go for a thicker milkshake, but I would say that uh, Firefly Christina Hendricks is definitely peak. 
did you ever see the Condition. the man she married? Talking about her acting talent, of course. No. You have you ever seen Super Troopers? Uh, no. You've never What's seen that Super in the Troopers. Blizzard. No, it's one of those like all of their stuff completely passed me by, and I've never gone back. Didn't they do the other thing? The beer fest what's it called no but also the tv show right are they not the guys who did the i'm not sure what's it called reno reno 911 i'm not sure not them as well could not tell you jay chandra kasar and uh blah 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 it's weird yeah they're a troop but i think they've only got three movies that they made right right but they've done a ton of they've done a bunch of uh tv stuff ah very much well anyway yeah He's, I, the, I know nothing about Christina Hendricks. Anyway. Is, She's married uh, to one of them. Husband would be best known as the guy who takes mushrooms in the back of the car in the opening scene in uh, Super Troopers. But I think they're separated nice. now. I think she kind of realized where she was at. I might <laughs> have to watch uh, Super, Troop- Super Troopers at some stage. I was considering bringing that in for a toss at some point. I'd be happy to You've give it a go it. again. I've seen everything. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, you started watching Firefly a while ago and just didn't persevere a long time ago yeah i was thinking i was trying to come up with some justifications as to why i did that and i think it was because i knew it was cancelled i didn't start watching it in 2002 or whenever it came out but it wasn't that long after it was definitely before serenity that i started watching it and i think it was because i knew the show was cancelled i didn't want to just start watching something that didn't go anywhere and uh, I didn't want to invest time in it. I watched, I ended up watching the first seven episodes and I liked it well enough, but it was still very episodic at that point. Later on in the, in the back seven, in the second half of the season, they start bringing in like more serialized elements, mm. which work really well. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. They start kind of, there's, there's character evolution over that period and they start referencing things that happened in previous episodes. And then I was like, yeah, I would, wa- I would have watched that if I'd known where it was going. Plus, if I'd known what Serenity was like. Yeah. The film. It's still kind of like, this is like, it's still like, uh, so I just, re- I, this is probably the third time I've watched it all. And yeah, so I watched the first six episodes of it. And it still kind of makes me sad because uh, I just think it's really good. It was just made at the wrong time because yeah. I was trying to look around for some of the budgets of um, of the MCU TV shows, WandaVision, which is nine episodes, has a budget of $225 million. Jesus Christ. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, six episodes, that's got a $150 million budget. That's burnt money. Yeah, and so Serenity, the film, had a budget of just under $40 million. And obviously that's a two-hour film. Firefly was quite expensive, apparently, at the time. But it was, you know, it was just, it was at the wrong time if it was yeah. made now. Like, because Firefly is like a funny version of The Mandalorian, I guess, is the closest thing I could think of. Which is fine. I like that show well enough, but it's nowhere near as funny as Firefly. No, Firefly, well, I mean, th- I just think it's just a re like, I'm not big on Buffy. I was never big on Buffy. That was one of my first questions was to ask you because I have barely watched anything of Buffy. It was one of those things that just completely passed me by. Yeah, I watched it here and there. And then I watched the first episode not so long ago, like maybe this year. And I just couldn't like it's weird. Uh, I hate I hate these words coming out of my mouth. But sexual politics have evolved so much since that show came out that there are some things in it that are fucking painful to watch. 
like there's this character Xander and it's his thing that he's just basically pawing after girls all the time and he's like one of our guys we're sort of rooting for him and he's just like oh, oh, oh. and it's like ah oh, god fucking gross if i ever met anybody like but then besides all that it's difficult to get on board with the fact that they're all in their fucking 40s almost it seems like which is not that unusual in high school shows fair enough but whatever it was that whedon like brought to the let's say the two avengers films he did, he directed you can really get it here like his his kind of writing is like it's just it it, it sings in in firefly i think mm-hmm. like from the first of all that like the pilot the first one 90 in 90 minutes you just establish so much there's so many great character moments where you just like get to know what these people are like like when he ma- a, yeah jane makes that remark about kaylee and he makes him leave the table and uh you automatically know he maybe kind of has some feelings for Inara or like just the discovery of River in the box. Like it's all just so mm-hmm. tight, well set up. But at the same time, yeah, it's very funny. It's warm. It's enjoyable. There's that hilarious bit where he tells the doctor that Kaylee's dead in the first episode. There's a, I, I don't recall that. I, <laughs> I haven't gone back to watch those first seven episodes. I started from sepi- from episode eight. Fair enough. Yeah, I remember uh, reading something about this with Fox that they weren't very happy with the original pilot. That's right. Firefly. Right. So we didn't went back and because they were worried about they were worried about how Malcolm Malcolm Reynolds appears as a character that he's not noble or uh, yeah. heroic enough. What a horrible misunderstanding of what the show was from the from the network. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just uh, that was like. That was the biggest charm of the whole thing. Yeah, he's, like, he, he's a badass anti-hero. He's f- yeah, Jesus. They just like I don't know. You, like you said, it. you didn't watch the first uh, six episodes, but there is this. Not for ages. It's been many years. Well, do you recall? Maybe you recall in the second episode. There's a part where he kicks this guy into the turbine. It's one of the coolest fucking moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see is on that TV. The train job. Episode? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because that was the one that. That's yeah. it's the second episode in the in the running order, but Fox forced them to run that as the first episode, so they switched it when it was televised. Yeah, which is just, I mean, which the, it was all fucked up. Like, I think two or three of the episodes were never broadcast. Yeah, no, just, no, no. I've like, I've, it got cancelled. I've heard this kind of thing as well. It just go like, yeah, maybe two years later, this might yeah. like post Lord of the Rings and and th- like things yeah, like yeah. that maybe this might have done better but it was just like yeah people weren't thinking big enough i suppose back then because it was it was 98th in the nielsen ratings at the time it was getting about four million an episode i haven't checked but i'm pretty sure that like four million an episode now is is probably amazing the idea that four million people turn on their tvs for anything is insane yeah and like yeah and like uh, eat the uh, like drink the kool-aid that the network gives them you know Mm. But I mean, I still whatever. Like it's, it's a credit. It's a credit to them. I would have been great if there was more of this show. But um, yeah, whatever. You know. I think that was something that I liked about Serenity was there was a kind of finality to it, where they were willing to. I I, I hadn't read any of the background before watching Serenity. I knew that Wash died. Spoilers, obviously, mm. we've already said at the start, but. I knew that Wash died. I didn't know that Shepard Book died. And even without looking at it, I immediately suspected it was because they weren't willing to sign on for any future sequels. But 
also I, like I just liked that it was finally of the stakes that they they were willing to kill off characters. Mm. That there was something that felt final to this because in Firefly they've got obviously the same nine crew members make it successfully through the fourteen episodes and well, are all present at the start. Of Wash's death is heartbreaking. Well, okay, so let, before we even get into that, uh, okay, who's, who are your favorite characters? And you can't say Malcolm Reynolds. Oh, wait, are we going to do that? I was just going to say if there was, see if there was anything else to say about Firefly or that. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that, uh, we're still talking about Firefly, aren't we? <laughs> all right, okay. Well, it's all interconnected. What more is there to say? This is it, yeah. Cut it. Oh, yeah. Have you read some of the information about some of the unproduced episodes? No. Some of the ideas. I've read the comics, okay. though. Anyway, go on. Tell me about some of the other episodes that didn't happen. Okay, so Alan Tudyk had the idea for an episode about a planet that's always day on one side and night on the other. On the night side, Jane accidentally spills a type of pheromone on himself and the crew, which attracts many dogs. The crew is chased back to the ship by these dogs. There, River uses her mind powers to domesticate the dogs. Does that sound like an episode idea? That's that feels a, like that one we're going to throw into a side. That sounds quickly. like something somebody would pitch and get met with an That's awkward silence. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Here, here's another one. Well, this one makes more sense. Adam Baldwin wanted to make an episode in which Jane goes up against Mal as captain of his ship. I feel like they pretty much already did that. They're pretty close. Yeah, and I mean, it, it pretty much happens in that in a scene in... Um... In Serenity. Um... <laughs> yeah, here's, here's this next one. This one is controversial. This one feels like it was from the early 2000s and probably wouldn't get done now, but Tim Minear, who's the other showrunner, revealed the secret of Inara's syringe, as seen in the pilot episode. She's infected with a deadly disease. There would have been an episode where Reavers gang rape her. Because she injected herself with the, with the syringe, all the Reavers on the ship die. Good God. How mad is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Can't be doing that. No, not certainly right. not. Because one of the nice She's... things about it is, like, right, whatever, yeah, they kill people and stuff like that. But it's not bloody, it's not gratuitous. You could, like, kids could watch this show. Yeah. You know, it's fun, like, it's a space opera. with a, It's a cowboy space opera with uh, Chinese language uh, dotted around the place. Although, one thing that I picked up watching it this time around is, is, like, Whedon... Ha, Whedon is basically, this is the Civil War, and he's on the side of the South. Take away the slavery, this is the Civil War. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of accusations leveled against the show of Firefly of having no Chinese people, even though the, it's supposed to be this mix of, like, at the end of a big war, mm. a big global war, there were two superpowers that merged together, China and the U.S., but there's no Chinese people they've taken the Chinese language on. But conveniently got rid of all the Asians. So I mean that's probably that was one argument against it's it. It's probably like in the day that this was made, the people making that complaint were probably like I mean their voices were this loud. <laughs> <laughs> and now everybody's just shoving microphones in their faces like you're saying what? You're offended by it? Uh yeah, I mean it's just like ugh, it's just so much it's just so much fun. This show it feels like a, a, like a series I think of paperback that, novels. Basically, the, the only real difference between this and Star Wars is the well, apart from anything. Well, okay, number one, it's funny. This is funny, mm. funny er. And uh, the second thing is there are no aliens. It's just humans. No, everywhere. yeah, yeah. 
I see. I entirely inhabited by humans only from Earth. So there's no suggestion that there's life on other planets. These are all basically people that it'd make a cracking RPG, wouldn't it? It would. I'm sure there's something like that. I guess the most typical, like the the most similar thing now is something like the Expanse, which again is not particularly funny. It has some funny moments, but it's got a much more dour and serious tone. Although I really like it. Well, yeah. I mean, in that regard. Like, not only is Whedon a funny writer, but you've got funny actors in this. Yeah, Nathan yeah, yeah, Fillion absolutely. is funny. Adam Baldwin is quite funny. Uh, Alan Tudyk he is, is a... uh, funny, but not as funny as he thinks he is, <laughs> I would say. Oh, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about Josh Whedon. Okay, let's get into it. How much do you know about him? Um, His early life. Let's see. I know uh, he made uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and two Avengers movies and the follow-up show Angel. I was actually, I did, I was quite into Angel. I enjoyed the show Angel. Um, I used to watch I've that. I've never seen a single episode of that. Um, David Bar- Boreanaz. That's right. Um, and another thing he made called Dollhouse. And he's got another show yeah, on HBO now. that was the third now. one. That, right, that was like his... Yeah, that was like the dollhouse was that was with Amy Acker, I seem to remember, and that was like his third. I, I haven't seen like any the, of that. The third thing after Angel, me neither. I'm only vaguely aware of what that is, and uh, the Nevers, the HBO show you were referring to. Yes, apparently it's he quite got good. Shit canned off of it. Um, he did, yeah. Although what? he argued that it was for COVID-related reasons. Yeah, it's st- like and HBO didn't I've, clarify as to what the reason was. Just objectively speaking, like fan of Whedon or not, I found his whole sort of uh, shit canning interesting because it was like the way it happened. It was almost like some PR people said to him, yeah, look, this is going to happen in about a month. This is what this is the way like because there had been stuff spoken about him by his ex-wife for example for go, for years bits and pieces here and there mm-hmm. and it was almost like yeah publicists or somebody came to him and said look you're for the chopping block and it's going to be soon so uh basically get your <laughs> get your affairs in order and fucking dig your grave and hop in there buddy because yeah like let me give you some more of the background on mr whedon please He's a third-generation TV writer. His grandfather, John Whedon, wrote for, among other things, The Dick Van Dyke Show. Mm. And his father, Tom Whedon, wrote on The Golden Girls. In his youth, Joss Whedon spent three years at Winchester College, an English boarding school, before studying at Wesleyan College in Connecticut, alma mater of Lin-Manuel Miranda and Michael Bay. Good company. Mm-hmm. And Whedon got his start on sitcoms such as Roseanne, in the early 90s, he was also a script doctor in films like Speed and Waterworld. He received one movies. Academy Award nomination for co-writing Toy Story. Oh, I did know that. Yeah. Mm. He wrote, but he created Buffy and Angel, like we said. Buffy, he ran, Buffy ran for seven seasons and the spinoff show Angel ran for five. Yeah. And the, the last season of Buffy was basically... Uh, it's a similar thing to what happened with Serenity. It was brought back by the fans because they, they, I believe they weren't happy. No, no, sorry. No, I'm talking through my hoop there. The last season was very disappointing and there was a huge campaign by fans for them to come back and do one more season and give it a proper ending. <laughs> Fucking fans, man. <laughs> Jesus. He does, like, Just Whedon does have crazy, rabid fandom. Yeah. Or he did. I don't know if that's still the case. It's the type of fandom that makes me dislike stuff, even though I like it. 
Yeah. Like there came a time where, like, when I first saw uh, Firefly, I was in university. And uh, I would be reluctant to talk about it in public because of the sort of people who also liked Firefly. And I didn't want them to enthusiastically discuss it with me. I found this nice uh, quote from Whedon's Wikipedia. In college, Whedon studied a theory called womb envy, a concept, a concept he says observes a fundamental thing that women have something men don't, the obvious being an ability to bear children. Men not only don't get what's important about what women are capable of, but in fact they fear it and envy it and want to throw stones at it because it's the thing they can't have. And then following cl- on closely in August, 20- in August 2017, <laughs> Whedon's ex-wife Kai Cole published an essay on an industry, industry trade site accusing Whedon of 15 years of multiple infidelities and the hypocrisy of touting feminist ideals yeah. while using their marriage as a shield for his misuse of power. This is what we very briefly discussed last week. It just appears that Josh Whedon was the kind of guy who was portraying very strongly in one direction that, that he was a, a certain type of person. But then his behavior was perhaps inching the other way a little. Yes. It's strange because most of what he's kind of been called out and canceled for is basically being a prick. Being mean. Yeah, uh, being the, mean. The phrase, that's, the phrase that is constantly repeated in anything I've ever read is that he was casually cruel. Yeah. Which is something that I have definitely aspired to. <laughs> So I'm just waiting until <laughs> until I can turn that into some successful TV shows or an MCU film. Uh, the watershed moment was Ray Fisher talking about him on the Justice League reshoots, I believe. Yeah. I don't think there was, he implied any racism, but because Ray Fisher is black, everybody took that line for a walk, uh, quite frankly. Um, but I don't think he... Uh, like, I don't think... I don't think Ray Fisher ever, ever ever said anything like that. But yeah, Jason Momoa uh, chipped in. There was somebody on this. On the, there, were, there were some people on the set who defended him and said, "No, that's that's not how this went down." It just it feels like it was stuff that was okay twenty years ago. I don't think people should be dickheads, but even in the like the lowest of the low, low, low levels of brushes that I've had with quote-unquote showbiz people mm. or projects or things i've i've sensed that same thing immediately that whoever's in charge if it's some kind of creative project if something isn't meeting their standards then they'll be mean and they're like i don't have time to spare your feelings yeah and i think it's that but i think society has reached a point where like you can't do that. I, I think about job like when I did, I'm thinking of like part-time jobs I had mm. when I was like a teenager and stuff. The boss would definitely shout at you. Yes. And I, I don't think that goes anymore. I don't think even in like, you know, part-time jobs for teenagers. And I Scotland, think about I'm that a lot sure myself. The bosses don't shout anymore. Yeah. I think because people would turn around and go like, who the fuck? And I wish I'd done that when I was younger and just said, yeah. like, the fuck are you shouting at? I worked in Tesco for a year and... um there was a lady who was like, you know, close to the the, the big cheese um, anyway. And I, one day I had to stock the beverage aisle. I was like 15. Yeah. And I was just there doing it, big, heavy bottles of Coke, putting them on the shelf. And then she comes along and starts 
lambasting me for being too slow while they, and then yeah. taking the bottles and stocking them herself like way faster just saying like how useless I was or whatever and <laughs> I, I can so feel this like I can picture this scene and I remember clearly. even at the time just thinking this is mad you're like 40 what what are you like why is this what you're doing like it didn't like it didn't phase me too much because I didn't care about the job right, right. at all but I was just thinking what are you like is whenever I see that because I when you encounter tyrants in professional environments here and there now fair enough in showbiz there's an awful lot more um ego apparent and maybe even necessary to drive projects i'm not to excuse any behavior such as that but like whenever i encounter people like that particularly anybody over 40 and they're that like they're blood pumping just for this like you know mm-hmm. their little pernickety things i always look at them and go like what's the point in being 50 if you're going to be that stressed out <laughs> like I mean, like, aren't you supposed to gradually give less of a fuck about things? Don't you get find a little bit of peace along the way or something? If it's like supermarket shelf stacking, I definitely think they need to calm down. You- but I can understand. I can understand if it's a creative project. Yes, I still don't think that people should get visibly angry. Or I mean, I don't know what. Obviously, I don't know what was happening to like Ray Fisher or Jason. Jason Momoa well, then- in the shoot. Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia. Right, there's a lot of stuff yeah. going back to the 90s. Who um, played Cordelia and Buffy and Angel. Basically, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, apparently he, <laughs> he called her like fat. And uh, um, yeah, when he le- learned she, she was... She was, uh, she was pregnant yeah. and he asked and her he, if she was going to keep He put it, her yeah. character into a coma. Um, <laughs> really, for the last... He does seem casually cruel. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> is, that is quite... Uh, you mention it. <laughs> Uh, but Sarah Michelle, um, Sarah Michelle Geller, like has she did gave a very on the fence response to the whole thing. It's basically, like I feel like she had been pulled into responding and kind of siding with everyone else. I, I have literally no idea. I'm obviously just going on whatever, mm. whatever is out there in the world. But I don't know. I imagine. I kind of imagine most Hollywood projects are like this. Yeah, I mean, it's just. It was kind of the perfect storm. It was almost like with... Um, I had heard the the stuff that um, eventually brought down Louis C.K. I had heard that from a couple of years back. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd heard that a long, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it just... Podcasts and him stuff. of Like, the timing for how it happened to yeah. him was just perfect. It was just like, yeah, okay, yeah. it's uh, you gotta go now. Uh, he hated <laughs> just the, the wave of me too just the worst worst possible time yeah and have you ever watched the film that he was just about to bring out no but maybe <laughs> we should have that on a, on a flip at some point we should it's context. called I Love You Daddy like you wouldn't yeah, like the, the film he was about to time. release when he got me too it's just too perfect yeah it's very Woody Allen indeed yeah indeed anyway poor old yeah. Joss Whedon well, I think Joss that's Whedon our conclusion anyway. is it that's the conclusion is, is he done is he done? Ooh, Is he coming back? No, he can come back. I would say he can come back. I mean, I guess he can finance. I just don't know if he wants to. Who knows what the guy's up to? Well, but. he's ne- like he's he's he he hasn't done any sort of a public apology or any shit like that, you know. Mm-hmm. No. Anyway, I think he just wanted to exit project. Shall I go into the cast of Serenity? Do go into the cast. Essentially, it's basically the same cast as Firefly. Oh, We've got the, the actually, nine. We move mm-hmm. on. Uh, would you care to pick a favorite episode of Firefly? I can really only think of the ones from the the back seven. 
I don't know. I don't think I, I, I don't think I can pick out a favorite episode. They all, they're all quite similar to me. They all just, they carry exactly the same tone. It's Malcolm Reynolds. I would have to say the best witty. of the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, I, if I had to choose, I would choose an amalgamation of all 14 episodes in one. I would go with either Jane's, okay, listen, Jane's Town I'm or Objects in, in Space. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which one's Objects in Space? The, the final episode. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's what uh, I would go with. I'm going back in. I think Janestown is just a very funny episode, and I think uh, Adam Baldwin is very funny in that episode. I quite like Out to Gas, the the one with the series of flashbacks. I enjoyed that. It's in the middle of uh, it's episode eight. I'll be getting to it soon enough. I do not remember it though. But yeah. Let's go cast. Yeah, it's just uh yeah. Okay. So as I said, it's basically the cast of Firefly with one or two notable additions. I'm going to say one notable addition when we go through it. So we've got Nathan Fillion as Captain Malcolm Mal Reynolds. Canadian actor Nathan Fillion's second film role was in Saving Private Ryan. Who did he play in Saving Private he Ryan? He played um, J- uh, James Frederick Ryan. He did. That's right. Yeah. It was a, a very funny um, scene, actually. Uh, yeah. He gets uh, Tom Hanks tells him all his brothers are dead, and <laughs> <laughs> he starts crying. He starts crying, and then uh, he asks him, "How did how did he die?" And um, he says uh, they were killed in action. <laughs> and he goes, "That can't be." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." And he goes, "No, no, that can't be. My brothers are still in grammar school." And then they, yeah. <laughs> they have to back up and go. He's actually perfect awesome. casting for that moment. It's a very funny yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A young Nathan Fillion. Well, I guess he's only a couple of years. It's only like three years before Firefly, but he looks young. Yeah, very memorable performance. Mm-hmm. Fillion is constantly being linked with playing Nathan Drake in an Uncharted adaptation, even appearing in a fan-made short film, which is on YouTube. Have you watched that? Uh, I have watched that, yes. Yeah, it's got Stephen Lang as uh, Sully. Yeah, no, um, that was decent, um, but uh, I am quite excited to see what this uh, Tom Holland film is like. I don't know, because it's directed by Ruben Fleischer, who I would say is far more miss than hit. And Tom Holland, I think he came out immediately afterwards and said he regretted aspects of his performance. Ooh, not and wished good. he could redo them. Yeah, and Mark Wahlberg as Sully, I think, is, uh, is criminal. Yes. I just think, Mark, I think... Can we, could, could, is it possible to just cancel someone for being a bit shit? <laughs> Yeah, or like blinding an Asian guy. Yeah! <laughs> it's too long ago. Or that. He served his time on that. That was a long time ago. He's, he did the funky bunch. It was fine. <laughs> Continue. What about, uh, yeah, favorite Nathan Fillion role? Oh, and it would, it would have to be Malcolm Reynolds, I'd say, to be honest. For me, it's Malcolm Reynolds or else uh, Captain Hammer. Oh, from Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Yeah. It's good shit. The hammer is my penis. <laughs> it's classic. It's one of the best deliveries of anything ever. <laughs> I must watch that you again. You haven't watched Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, people. It's, I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, well, it was It was originally broadcast on the internet, wasn't it? You could just watch it for he free. Made, uh, Josh, Josh Whedon made more money from Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog than directing the first Avengers film. What? Which is mad, yep. How... And he invested $200,000 of his own money in making it. And how did he make money? I don't know from how it made money. Huh. They they sold it on DVD. Fair enough. Good for you, Josh. It was a th- it was a, it was Bad a project Josh that Whedon. they sold at one stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you made money so that you could fuel your abuse. Yeah, just 
go around cash money paying homeless people to jump in front of traffic i bet <laughs> yeah <laughs> buying cakes for giving cakes to homeless people and then jumping on them probably <laughs> no. like baking cakes with stuff. baking cakes with glass in them and giving them to homeless <laughs> people <laughs> that is what josh whedon did uh, let me just update his wikipedia entry while we're talking you're to a make bad sure man josh whedon. Sure reflects reality <laughs> so moving on we've got gina torres as zoe washburn Torres is a New Yorker. She went to the LaGuardia School for the Performing Arts, a.k.a. the School from Fame. Other notable alumni include Jennifer Aniston, Adrian Brody, and Marlon Wayans. Nice. Talented actor, Marlon Wayans. Around the time uh, Firefly started, Torres married Lawrence Fishburne. Ah. In fact, they went on to play a married couple in the show Hannibal. They stay married? Yeah, uh, no, until 2018. They got divorced in 2018. But while they were married, Torres became stepmother to a young Montana Fishburne, who was a, a, a star of her own in a certain field, uh, a video-based field, not feature films. Well, not the type of feature films that you might find in a cinema. They're a lot shorter, these films. Did she do porn? She did, despite having the notable obstacle uh, of... Also having Lawrence Fishburne's face. <laughs> Good God. So that's out there. I've watched uh, some of her work. Any good? I, I think Lawrence Fishburne is the better actor <laughs> in the family. <laughs> if I had to choose. If I had to choose between... That's, I prefer Apocalypse Now than a Cock and Lips Now. Me too. Next, we've got Alan Tudyk, who I believe pronounces his name Alan Tudyk. I, I, that's how that I've always pronounced right. it. I don't know. It looks like Tudyk, like Tudor, not Tudor. Okay, Alan Tudix. Alan Tudix, yes. Uh, Plays Hoban. Hoban. His first name's Hoban. I did Hoban not know that. Wash Washburn. Yeah, I noticed that in uh, in the the uh, at the end of spoilers again for Serenity. Even though I have stated multiple times spoilers up front, when at the end when you see his grave, it has his full name on it as well. Uh, those those snazzy graves with the holograms. Yeah, on. right. That's a nice grave. Nice That's ass the graves, best grave yeah. I ever done saw. Uh, Alan Tudyk seems from... to get a lot of love around the place generally. People um, like him Why? Why as a screen you presence. Why do like Alan Tudyk? It's not that I don't like um, Alan Tudyk. It's, it's you just... You clearly have something against him. Yeah, I know. It's just I kind of... Uh, I don't like nerdiness. I don't like people mm. just say... Like, for, I even had a little bit of a resentment against... Um, Edward Norton for a bit, just because I felt people were very nerdy about Edward Norton, and they're ju they're just like okay. I like everything that Edward Norton's in, just because he's in it. And that's you know they're willing to uh, throw away critical thinking just because it's uh, Edward Norton. It's my is issue. It it's people, not. It's not Alan Tudyk. People giving Alan Tudyk the same credit as Edward Norton. Anyway, Tudyk is from Texas, and originally started out as a stand-up comic before going on to study at Juilliard. He's gone on to give some excellent comedic performances, in my opinion, not Donica's, and shown an uncanny ability to do a decent English accent. That's the thing I'm most impressed about with him. In what English film? Accent. He does a good one in A Knight's Tale. Oh, I must watch A Knight's Tale again. I remember I used to yeah. really like that movie. And um, the original Death at a Funeral, not the, not the black version. Isn't Monica Baccarin in A Knight's Tale too? No, no Marina, that's Marina. Uh, Shannon. It's, it's Shannon Sossaman. Ah, you're correct. I know who you're thinking of. Yeah, you. Uh, my top three uh, Alan Tudyk performances are A Knight's Tale, Dodgeball, where he's Steve the Pirate, and then Tucker and Dale oh, versus actually, Evil. Yeah. Forget all of the shit that I just said. 
Yeah, yeah I know. That's why I'm going like, why are he's you in Tuck- he's, in, he's, in, he's in Tucker and... I love Tucker and Dale versus he's, he's, Evil. He's I either love Tucker or Dale. He's one of them. He's one of the two. That is such a good film. I've seen that three or four it times. Is. I, I want to rewatch that. I think it's yeah. really, really good, that film. Um, th- who like that's one of those films that was made the second they thought of the concept of it. They're like, yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's brilliant. It writes itself. It yeah. writes itself. I'm taking away all credit. You're right. It's just a concept. But I agree. Next up is Morena Baccarin as Inara Serra. Morena Baccarin is Brazilian, born in Rio de Janeiro. She's so she moved tidy. to New York at age seven. She later attended La, La Guardia School of the Performing Arts and Juilliard. Huh. What is this? Is like this is like the fame cast. Yeah, the Firefly. They all went to LaGuardia and Juilliard. Okay, she is. I would say in Firefly. Oh my god, she's she's really she's such a good actress. She's acting really well. Yes, it's hard to stop looking at her because of how well she's acting. Ten out of ten she's for great. her acting performance. I think absolutely. No doubt sending waves of sci-fi nerds into rapture. I she must have she must get all kinds of Instagram messages and oh. God knows what the awful nerddom is sending yeah. her with. Plus she was in Deadpool as well. Yes, That's she was, other... but she was fridged. People were not happy about that. Do you know what fridging is, Andy? Uh, was that not in the sequel? Uh, or was that yes. in the first yeah, one? Yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, it's in the second one she's fridged. So next we've got Adam Baldwin, Love who's Jim Cobb. He's good. Baldwin's most celebrated role is probably Animal Mother in Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. Yes. He's not one of the Baldwin brothers. He's not. He's no connection. He might have a Baldwin brother, but it's probably not one that we've ever heard of. It's probably something like Steve Baldwin. Well, not Stephen Baldwin. John Baldwin. That would be safe. Baldwin is a small government libertarian and backed Ted Cruz in the 2016 Republican primaries. That's right. He's very much a Jane Cobb type character, it seems. Yeah. He likes guns. And uh, I think his co-stars, his Hollywood co-stars, probably less than impressed with his political pronouncements and leanings. God, it does take stones to be conservative in Hollywood, doesn't it? But I mean, I guess then you're just not in Hollywood anymore. Some people used to be able to manage it. <laughs> Some guy. But like... There's, there's Kurt Russell. There's Vince Vaughn. Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. Chris Pratt. is a, He's a bad Like, uh, But I mean, have you ever... Like, John Milius was just an outcast for years because of his political views, you know? What, was he a communist or something? No, no. He, he would call himself... He, right he's, he's what, he, he refers to it as a Zen anarchist, but, but he's basically like a, a full-blooded li- libertarian. Loves guns. Right. Fucking hates liberal politics. Um, and that said, like, I mean, he, well, he's just made, he's made some awesome movies, you know, both as a writer and, and as a director, but he, there's a good documentary about him. I think it's just called Milius and it, much of it covers his politics and how it saw him as an outcast from Hollywood. I mean, you could, I like to know anyone's politics before I watch their art. Exactly. That's how I like to exactly judge Exactly right. So we've got, uh, next up is Jewel State who plays, okay, so her name is Kay Winnett. Lee, Kaylee, in inverted commas, Fry. Kay Winnett Lee, shortened to Kaylee. Fair enough. Got a bit of background she's there. not dead at the end, so I didn't get to see any... Uh, gravestone. Any gravestone, yeah. So you got that on Wikipedia. I just this week realized that Jewel State is not actually Jewel, the singer-songwriter who appeared in Ang Lee's Ride with the Devil. So at least I learned one thing this week. Um, I need to ask... Uh, ride with the devil what's that and is it any good should i watch it 
Oh, yeah. Have you not seen that? It's from like 1999-ish. No. It is a Civil War film. Ooh. And it's got Jewel, but not Jewel State in it. It's got um, Skeet Ulrich. Remember him? Yes, Remember I do. Yeah, I know. I remember him. Yeah, it's good. It's a solid enough uh, Civil War film. It has kind of Gone with the Windy type feelings, but in a, an, an Ang Lee style hmm. Don't make me Ang Lee and all that. What's it called again? I think it's called Ride with the Devil. Well, I believe. Okay, I must check that out. Cause I think it was what he did after the ice storm. Because I, well, I, 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 I think like yeah, I think even when I think even Ang Lee's failures are interest are interesting. I think he's a great director. Mm. Jewel State's big break came in a 1996 Canadian Disney Channel show called Flash Forward, in which she co-starred with Ben Foster. Fair enough. Ben Foster. Mm, they were both teenagers. Who I know best before... as the racist brother from Alpha Dog. Oh, really? I like him in uh, Hell or High Water. That's, that would be my go-to. And then after Much better, that, yes. maybe three, 310 to Yuma. I've never seen 310 to Yuma. Oh, come on. That's a classic. I know. I'll get around to it eventually. I'm, I'm too busy covering Good. Italian films of the early 60s, Andy. At the moment, here in, uh, here in Scotland, uh, James Mangold is filming... The new Indiana the new Jones. Indiana Jones. So, yeah, and Tony Antonio so Banderas. Glasgow just got... is all got. Uh, Glasgow is all completely covered in uh, U.S. flags. It's uh, it's the set. Hmm. I wonder what era they're they're basing it in. I think it's in the sixties. I want to say it's like I think it's during the Vietnam War. It would be. I don't know if that's when the whole film is set, or at least this part. Wouldn't it be so much more interesting if they just embraced the fact that Harrison Ford is old as fuck now? Mm. and made a movie about Indiana Jones being an old man. I, want, I would much I rather know. see that, I but anyway, know. we'll see. They made that. It's called The Father. So next up, we've got Sean Maher. Sean Maher. 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 Man, that's Ma. A TV actor, That's if Simon ever there was Tam. one. Yeah. It's, it's, you almost feel like he shouldn't be in this movie. <laughs> he is... I, I'm sorry to say that he is probably... Apart from Summer Glau, who plays his sister, mm. River Tam, those two are by far the weakest actors in the whole thing. Yes. And I'm, I'm sorry to say so, but... Oh, no, there's Sean no Mar doubt about Sean came out it. as gay in 2011. On Wikipedia, his husband is credited as Paul, one name only, <laughs> like a Brazilian footballer. Maybe he is. Oh, I didn't know you are married to Paul. That's impressive. But Sean oh, Mar hasn't had a very prolific career. The trivia bin wasn't too full this week. <laughs> <laughs> he's married to paul he's married to paul i, I know paul yeah. do you know paul i, yeah, I do know paul Mara. i didn't even know he was gay summer glau who plays river tam another texan glau originally trained as a ballet dancer her her other famous ish role was as cameron a young terminator in terminator the sarah connor chronicles did you ever watch that i did i watched all of that it's a good show and sarah connor was portrayed by old cersei lannister That's herself right, yeah. in a yeah, you're right. There's essentially no trivia for this because these people, some of them haven't really lived lives. They grew up in the last 20 years and nothing happened of note. It's not like the 1950s where you could where you had take Sterling a boat Hayden, with your yeah. children and sail to Tahiti. Mm. Who, Finally, who would last you have cast the, Sterling Hayden well, as in this? Uh, definitely River Town. <laughs> without question yeah. yeah i'm doing some nice i would like to recast all the way back to the pilot of firefly where uh 
yeah. where Simon has to open the bin and you've got just an old <laughs> naked Sterling Hayden curled up in a ball <laughs> emerges like a drunk well. like he's in the long goodbye mm-hmm. okay last of the normal people the nine crew members we've got Ron Glass his shepherd book he does, he's a friend of the show. He's the only friend of the show. He died in 2016. Glass got his start doing guest episodes of Samford and Son in the early 70s. And he went on to become one of the leads on 70s police show Barney Miller, which ran from 1975 to 1982. Apparently it's a police sitcom. I've heard the name, but it was before my Yeah, time. me too, but um, yeah, I've never seen it. In the 90s, Ron Glass went on to co-star in Tom Rhodes' cancelled sitcom Mr. Rhodes, which also featured Stephen Tobolowsky and a young Jensen Ackles, a.k.a. Dean from Supernatural. Do you know Tom Rhodes? No. Really? Who's Tom Rhodes? I think he's an American comedian. He's, uh, I think... Oh, uh, I think I do know I him, actually, now that I think that Steve, Stephen Ryan's friends of him. I've met him a few times. Uh, he's very nice. No, I do know Tom he's Rhodes. exceptionally he's the, nice. He's got yeah. that bit uh, about a meat van guy. There was a right? guy selling meat out of a frickin' van. Yeah, that does sound familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always, I've met him a few times, super nice. He was very supportive of uh, when I was running comedy shows. Nice. Probably just, he just wanted booked, really. Yeah, he probably just wanted movie. a spot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he just wanted a spot. That was it. Yeah, he was like, have you got, He. I was going to book him on a show for like, an obscenely low amount of money and I still couldn't pay it. (laughs) So it just never happened. But anyway, I watched the first episode of his cancelled sitcom, Mr. Rhodes. It was on either just before or just after Friends back in like 1996. Any good? And uh, it got cancelled. I mean, it was a very 90s sitcom. I have respect for Mr. Rhodes himself. I will say... I think he it got Dale a bit of a shitty hand. It's kind of like AP Bio, I guess. Have you ever seen any of that with uh, Dennis from It's Always Sunny? No. That was in the last cut. That came out in the last few years. It's kind of like that. It's like a teacher at school, in a school in the US, and all kinds of wacky things are happening. But anyway, Ron Glass was in that. And then sadly, in 2016, he passed away. Oh. So favorite cast member of these nine? Well, it's... Uh, it's got to be. It's Nathan Fillion, It's Fillion, Nathan Fillion, Fillion it yeah, it's but it, you, you almost and can't say second that. second is two dicks for me. Oh, uh, second for me would be Adam I know Baldwin. I hate him, Adam Baldwin, because he represents your political views. Exactly. That's fair. Finally, the, uh, the, the only person really worth mentioning, I'm going to say, of the extras is Chiwetel Ejiofor as the operative. Yeah. Who's... He's the main addition to the cast. I mean... Right. There's that whole thing of, you know, um, casting people of color as villains, etc. But Chiwetel Ejiofor gives great villain. He's fucking great. Chiwetel Ejiofor is a Shakespearean actor. He's like a, a highly trained theater actor to the highest level. Hence. He can do anything. That hence, That's why he was in Doug Lyman's Lockdown, the best film ever made. <laughs> but hence, he, like, his... he does give good villain. He's, he's great in this. Yeah. See, he's a good baddie. Sarah Paulson shows in up in an odd moment. Oh, yeah. Sarah Paulson. Is Sarah Paulson the one who's in the hologram? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't mention David Crumholtz, who plays Mr. Universe. I know you'll probably love him because he was in The Juice. Uh, oh, yeah. He was in The Juice. Harvey something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harvey Wallbanger or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I bet, like, his... Wasn't he also in um, the Harold and Kumar movies? He was, yeah. He plays a character. I haven't watched hey. any of that. I just know this from looking at his... Oh, okay, IMDb, okay, fair enough, yeah. yeah. 
but I think that I, I looked at I saw David Crumholtz's face and I said I recognize you vaguely but I yeah. haven't watched I've watched almost nothing you've ever done that's it that's a name but I like him he's fine yeah, yeah. whenever but yeah when Chiwetel Ejiofor was cast in this film it was after some of his he'd done some film work he was in Amistad of course that was a big film he was in Love Actually but it was just before he popped in like uh, Inside Man Children of Men American Gangster so it was just around the time where people were going like, for who's this guy? Where's he from? And we're shocked to hear an English accent. Yeah, he's a, like he just thinking now he has been in two of genuinely my favorite films of all time. I mean, they would at least they would Doctor Strange, obviously, they would at least make my top Darren 20, Morgan. I would say. No way. Locked down. <laughs> Locked down. And, and yeah, of course. And love actually, of course. And love actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yep. God damn it. Like, what a horrible friend he has in Children Andrew of Lincoln. Men, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Children of Men and 12 Years a yeah. Slave. Oh, yeah, that's right. In 2013, he. Uh, did he win the Oscar? I believe so. Well, luckily, there's no way for anyone to ever check that. So we'll just say, <laughs> yes, he won an Oscar. He was gifted an Oscar in 2021. I'm going to say he did. friend of podcast. Yeah, he, he must have done. Mm. Sure, I, it's not even worth checking. It was a massive slave film from 2013. If he didn't win the Oscar, there their questions need to be asked. Andy, I'm looking it up. He did not okay. win the Oscar. He, of course he didn't win the Oscar. Because Hollywood is racist. Because Hollywood is racist. I knew it. Okay. I've got a plot synopsis here that I have taken from Wikipedia. Okay. This is the new system. I'm going to read some of the plot synopsis and then we can comment on why the plot synopsis is wrong and bad. Okay, good. In the 26th century, humanity has colonized a new solar system. The central planets formed the Alliance and won a war against the outer planet Independence, who resisted joining the Alliance. Who wrote this? This is literally River... the, the, this is the American yeah, that, Civil War. That is like the blurb. Oh, right. Okay. It's also how the film starts, I think. No, it is. Yeah, yeah. They, get, they like give this. you that. But it's, it's the American Civil War, like, no doubt. Yeah. River Tam is conditioned by Alliance scientists into becoming a psychic and an assassin, but is soon rescued by her brother, Dr. Simon Tam. During her training, River inadvertently reads the minds of several top government officials and learns their secrets. Consequently, an alliance agent known only as the operative is tasked with recapturing her. Right. I have some questions. Go on. I didn't... I did not... At at what point does River Tam read the government officials' minds? I don't remember that at all. And I have watched the film very, very recently. Well, I don't think you see it in the film. Oh, right. Well, then that's... You should show us that. It's just referred Don't to. I don't like that. I want to see her reading the guy's minds. Well, there you we go. We do get a lot of flashes of interesting imagery around River, but... Yeah, no, it's just referred to... Um, it's a bit kind of because event the, the, horizon at times. The fellow who, yeah, in the scene where um, uh, Simon rescues her, yeah, by, and that <laughs> when he just arrives on scene, it's like, oh, what are you doing here, TV actor? Because the cinematography is, suffici- <laughs> is sufficiently like updated. It looks like a movie. And then that guy just walks in. It does. In. That is, there's nothing about the ship of Firefly that looks anything like the TV show. Yeah, that's true. Nothing about it. It's not the same place. They they didn't use the same sets. They thought they were going to save money by using the same sets, same sets, but it turned out that they'd been basically taken apart into little bits. So eventually they just had to use photos and images from the TV series in order to rebuild the sets. Yeah, fair enough. 
But anyway, and just yeah, like a film camera just immediately yeah. makes it look so different when you're watching it. For sure, it looks the way the MCU and Disney shows look today. Yeah, yeah. like films because of the huge budgets. Yeah, and like just no, so to be fair, better. this didn't have a massive budget, but they do they massive for the time. They do they they do very well with the effects. I would say the effects have stand up well enough. Not completely, but I mean, it's impossible to think that they would. Some of the effects are a little ropey. The original budget was a hundred million. Okay. But eventually, they decided, like, okay, despite the fact that Firefly was selling very well on DVD, and Universal bought the rights to the show just before they made the film, mm. they decided they they were going to go overseas to film to save money, but they ended up making it around LA and managed to slash the budget down to under forty million. And it's fine, like you say. I think the visual effects hold up well enough. Ah, yeah, but it's considering all the writing, how far really. the technology has has come along since then. Yeah, it is the it's the writing, which is why Firefly is still okay. Although there's there's good action in in the movie here and there. Yeah, the the fight with the Reavers towards the end, I'm not so keen on. But yeah, in general, it's not too bad. Any road. So yeah, Chuatel Ejiofor's come in and basically is trying to recapture River because River is a danger to the world, or is it just because he wants to suppress that information? Uh, I think he wants to suppress that information, and that's the only concern. It's quite funny at the end how he just gives up and is like, "Okay, yeah, it's my job done. Goodbye." Doesn't really make a huge deal of sense anyway. The siblings, River and Doctor Simon Tam and maybe Paul, his husband, have found refuge aboard the transport spaceship Serenity. Like, that's like the name of the film. With Captain Malcolm Mal Reynolds, first mate Zoe Washburn. Gee, really? Are you just going to list all the cast, the, all the character names? I guess they have to list mm. all, the, all the character names. First mate Zoe Washburn, pilot Hoban Wash Washburn, mercenary Jane Cobb, and mechanic Kaylee Fry. Despite Simon's objections, Mal brings River on a bank robbery... River warns them that savage and cannibalistic reavers are coming. Okay, so. Yes. Bank robbery. I liked that. I thought it was nice seeing River using her psychic powers to stop a guy pulling a gun. Yes. But then it does. Do, I mean, it's quite, there's some good jokes around there as well. There's some little funny interactions. But it does. It very quickly descends into, into reaverdom. Yes. Into the reavers tearing the place apart. Yeah, it's interesting as well because you don't see the Reavers at all in the show. Is it? You see one Reaver in one of the early episodes. I think it's episode three or oh, something. Oh, yeah, he There's sneaks a guy, aboard. They have a guy on the ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it turns out he's a Reaver. But I think they do a good job of not really showing the Reavers in this either. Mm. They're constantly moving the camera because I get the feeling if you focus too long on them, you would be like, oh, these don't look that scary. Yeah. It's just a guy with face tattoos, basically. And face tattoos Every are single... quite common these days. Yep, and not just among Reavers. Every single post-apocalyptic world seems to have something like this. What is it that... Do people just lose hope and they decide they need to rape and be cannibals? Well, I actually think the... uh, Like, we'll get to it eventually, but I actually think the origin story for the Reavers is really interesting. I think that's a really uh, interesting bit of thinking that they did there with that. Um, yeah, I wonder when they came up with that because I did. I didn't know anything. I knew some plot details about this uh, film. I knew that Wash died because all the time on Reddit, there's always I see that whenever anyone mentions Firefly or Serenity, everyone does the same joke. Which is what? Which is something. Uh, it's something like, "How do Reavers 
clean their spears. They run them through the wash. That is not funny. Yeah. It's not just my horrendous telling of it. I think it is genuinely not a good joke. But that's always around. There's people always talking about the fact that Wash dies because I guess, like you said, that is the the shocking death in it. But I had no idea that they were going to reveal the origin of Reavers. And yeah, it is quite interesting, although I think there are still some elements of it that I don't really grasp. Well, let's get to them. Like 90% of it? Yeah, we'll get to them eventually. Anyway, so... Uh, the crew escape from the Reavers, but Simon decides that he and River will leave Serenity at the next port. Once there, however, wow, we're cutting a lot here. Once there, however, a subliminal message in a television commercial causes River to attack numerous bar patrons. Yeah, that's a very good action scene, I thought. I thought it was a lot ship. of fun. It's it's fun, but I don't know if I buy Summer Glau. No. I know she has ballet dancing no. skills, but I don't know if I buy her as like an MMA. No badass the, the, be you have to make that bar. leap of faith in everything when it shows women beating up men sorry but you just do like even zoe well, no i wasn't I'm... coming out from that angle what are you talking about gina torres is the the badass is badass Nah, i'm not buying it like okay. really like okay. I, I, like it, they tried to do it with that lady um from orange is the new black in john wick two or three i don't know where, yeah, they, ha- they have her just, you know, kicking seven shades out of uh, Keanu Reeves. And it's just like, no, she's tiny. Stop it. Well, you go back to your Graham Linehan TV <laughs> shows. You can watch that. And your, your uh, Adam Baldwins. I'm sure you can all share the same opinions about things. But me, see, here's the thing. I believe in womb envy. That's what I learned about when I was at Wesleyan College. Nice. And I know that you're, you're just envious. Well, yeah, I would, li- I would like a wounds. womb. Okay. So, yeah, there's that big fight scene. I don't Yeah, Summer Glau has a really awkward run, and that just leads me to believe <laughs> that she won't be able to beat up 50 people. Is that wrong? I'm sorry. If she wants to fight, I'll happily fight her. We're approximately the same age. Give it a shot. No. Back on the ship, the crew contacts reclusive hacker Mr. Universe, good name, who discovers the message designed to trigger River's mental conditioning. He notes River whispered Miranda before attacking and warns that someone else has viewed the footage. Mao receives an invitation from Inara Sarah that I feel like of all the characters, uh, Miranda Baccarin's character is the one who gets the hardest deal in this film. Yes. She gets one cool moment. T- talking about being fridged. Yes. She's getting it. She does get one What's cool, her cool moment, moment. Where, well, in the scene where Mal arrives there and she's tricked him, it's, it's, that's not incense. Oh, yeah, that's good. Where she, uh, she blows up old Chewie. Mal receives an invitation from Inara Sarah. Realizing it's a trap, Mal goes to confront the operative who promises to let him go free if he hands over River. Mal barely escapes. <laughs> that's the whole that's the whole summary of that scene so yeah Inara is a companion what's it what's the deal with uh companions there's a guild yeah my understanding in firefly is prostitutes are all in a guild which means that they're companions and then anyone who's not in the guild is a whore it's um big pimping basically mm, but organized by a big giant henry ford level pimping Mm-hmm. This does open up some but like, yeah, and then business it, ideas. Where, where Mal goes to get Anara, she's training companions. Oh, is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, what are those classes like? Ah, I don't know, but I'm sure Josh Whedon would have loved to have made a TV series about it. 
where he could be casually cruel to everyone. Miranda is discovered to be a planet located beyond a region of space swarming with reavers. The crew flies to the planet Haven, but find it devastated, and their friend Shepard Book, mortally wounded. They'd already met Shepard Book before this. Yes, How come have. now he's just mortally wounded? Wow, this is a very brief summary. Huh? Mm-hmm. Shepard Book, again, so Ron Glass refused to sign on for any sequels. He couldn't commit to sequels and therefore ended up mortally wounded. And the operative, Chiwetel Ejiofor, promises to kill anyone who assists them until he gets River. He kills um, a couple of associates that we see. We just see kind of CCTV-style footage of dead guys. Mm. He kills kids as well. Firefly? Yeah, he kills a bunch of people. But then, as he says, he's a bad man, Chiwetel Ejiofor. He's, uh, he will kill anyone to get what he wants, to suppress information. And I think that's very relevant to the modern world, isn't it? Yes. Mal has the crew disguise Serenity as a reaver ship and they travel to Miranda undetected. They find its 30 million colonists dead and a recording that explains an experimental chemical to suppress aggression has been added into Miranda's atmosphere. The population became so docile they stopped performing all activities of daily living and placidly died. And you, as you said, the uh, hologram who explains this is Dr. Caron, played by Sarah Paulson. Yeah, and then next... What's she known for? A bunch of the American horror story stuff, um, American crime story also. Uh, oh, that's right. She's Marsha Clark mm. in, the o- in the OJ one. Can't think she's of too much good. film work that she's done, but she has. She, she's been busy. She's in Serenity, 2005. There you are. Um, she's done a, some some Blumhouse films, for sure. Some horror Ooh. films. Um, can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But yeah, the, the, the thing that I found interesting about that is like, yeah, so they, yeah, they put drugs into the atmosphere. Half of the people just basically stop living and become so docile. Mm-hmm. And then the other kind of, I think that's so interesting, have a sort of an id reaction and basically become like a real life equivalent of somebody playing Grand Theft Auto, you know? It's kind of like reactionary to the drug, like they just will not be placid and instead they just go completely down this violent, perverted route, you know? I seem to remember it was like a tenth of a percent, right? It was a very small, small proportion. Not sure, but I mean, it was enough. It's enough, but the Alliance created the Reavers, and this is the secret that's in Rivers subconscious. It was interesting. Again, like I was saying earlier, it's the finality of this in a way of mm. make it, giving this big reveal. This was stuff that was, these ideas were originally going to be in a season two or further seasons. Josh Whedon planned for Firefly to be a seven season show. So some of these ideas were things that they no doubt would have dealt with in mm. following seasons. Mr. Universe agrees to broadcast the recording. However, the operative kills him and prepares an ambush. Knowing this, the crew provoke the Reaver fleet to chase them into the Alliance Armada. The Reavers and Alliance battle while Wash pilots Serenity through the crossfire. He crash lands near the broadcast tower. What's the phrase he says? He says, flight as a leaf or something. Can't remember. Something about being a leaf before a giant spear impales him and he is killed. Yeah. It's rough going, that. It is for old Alan Tudix. Everyone likes him except you, but most <laughs> people like him. I like him. I think he's good. He's funny. He's a nice character. He's got his dinosaurs are still there in front of him in the ship from that one episode. Is that in the pilot? It's in the pilot, yeah. Dinosaurs? Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. 
Yeah, that's fun, funny writing. Yeah. The crew make a last stand against the Reavers to buy Mal time to broadcast the recording. Yeah, this is a bit dull, isn't it? Yeah, this all this stuff. So the crew retreats behind a set of blast doors and fail that fail to properly close. Simon is shot and River dives through the doors to throw back Simon's medical kit and close the doors before the Reavers drag her away. And she beats up 50 bloodthirsty cannibal rapist people using her ballet dancing skills. It's pretty cool. Yeah, respect. Womb envy. At the transmitter, Mal fights the operative, finally subduing him, and forces him to watch as the recording is broadcast. Mal returns to the crew and the blast doors open to reveal that River has killed all the Reavers. Yay. Yay. The operative orders the Alliance troops to stand down. The operative, the operative, the operative. Do you not have a, another name? No, just call the operative. It's, that's it's, that's a weird thing in the script, isn't it? What, to call him just the operative? No, that he just says, all right, I'm your mate now. <laughs> yeah. And like he's just standing there at the end with like a bag on his shoulder. He's got a flat cap on his head pulled down back over his yeah. shoulder. He's like, that's me off then. Uh, yeah. I do, that's that done. I don't, I don't get that. I just don't get it. Like... Okay, no, it would make sense if this was a TV show because he was a good character and you want you want to make your best villains into heroes eventually so you can use them more, you know? But, like, in terms of a film, it just I, I just thought that was bizarre. Maybe that was. Maybe they were setting it up for a sequel. Who knows? Uh, but, um, yeah, that was just, like, I, I just didn't get that. It was weird. I'm, I'm glad there was no sequel. Although I'd like to see more Firefly and to see these characters, I'm happy there was no sequel. The film made its money back. It made $40 million. It was well-received. Mm. But I think this is a good ending point. They could have gone on, obviously. But uh, So the final little part of the plot here, the operative provides medical aid and resources to repair Serenity. He tells Mal the broadcast has weakened the Alliance government. But while he will try to convince the Parliament that River and Simon are no longer threats, he warns that they may continue their pursuit and retribution for getting the word out. Serenity takes off with River as Mao's new pilot. Yeah, I don't want to see uh, any more particular... Like, I want finality to this. I'm done. I'm done. I'm good. Fair enough. Yeah, no, no, no. I still me, enjoyed me too. it. I mean, it is a, it's a good film. Yeah, no, 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 no. Me too. Um, I do think it's a good film. I think the show is probably more enjoyable overall. Yeah, it does feel, because I did ask you last week, I was like, is it an extended episode? Yes, it's like it an extended episode, cinematic, but where there are higher stakes. Is that what I said last week? Probably. Good. Something like that. <laughs> just, you, you said it. You went like, make sure of that. Yeah, it's kind of like. Sorry, I'm just being casually crude. Yeah, that's bad. What am I talking about? Okay. All right. But yeah, that's it. It's a good film. I thought uh, I made me like Josh Whedon again and all of his his character flaws. I am glad it made me a feminist again. Great. Mm-hmm. You bet. Yeah. I mean, you needed to get back a trans exclusionary radical week. feminist. Oh, you're not one of those, are you? No, that's your friend Graham Linehan. Oh well, yeah. Is, is Graham Linehan? Well, if it's good enough for Graham Linehan, it's good enough for me. There you go. You're in good company. All right. And J.K. Rowling. Oh, is J.K. Oh, yeah, J- that's why people don't like her now, even though I've She's never... She's a, a turf. What? Disgusting turf. A turf, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I don't have time to educate you, Donica. You need to educate yourself. I'll try. Mm, I believe that's what people say. Turf. It's turf, not my turf, job to educate turf. you. I'm a turf. I'm a turf. I'm a turf. Okay. That's it. I'll just... I'm a turf. There we go. Okay. okay. I think I got it. So I don't know. If... Okay, good. Sorry. I'm not cutting this. I'm a turf. 
Okay. All right. Well, there we have it. That's it. I don't. Th- I think we're. I think we've reached the end of Serenity. I think it. It, it is weird because this we're focused on films. This really did feel like watching some kind of special episode of a TV series, yeah. and obviously watching the other episodes of Firefly to go along with it. Yeah, need- it does feel like it doesn't quite fit with the whole film thing. Yeah, we need to get. Uh, we need to get more cinematic for the next go around. I feel. Right, because this felt a little bit like the week where we had my Winnipeg and uh, Windy City Heat. God, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> it's in it's in that, that level of, of filmicness. <laughs> this was good. I mean, I for me it was the first time. I'm sorry that I'd like to reach when I out. Win, and, it's usually like the third time that you've watched something. I'd like to reach out and once again apologize that we we ended up watching my Winnipeg. Just wanna. Well, and also Windy City Heat as Wait, a if, film that to, I it, it, don't have love for. What are the chances that we would end up like watching this t- such garbage t- <laughs> the same week? Oh, never mind. I feel bad talking shit about Windy City Heat. I have no problem talking shit about my Winnipeg. Yeah, Fuck awful film. That. So who's anyway, uh, who's tossing? I believe you years? are. Oh no! Is last week you had an interesting story about a yeah, twenty I feel cent. Like I'm always, that's right. I feel like I've been tossing a lot. Uh, okay, so what are you bringing to the table, Andy? Okay, so the criteria, I just want to clarify the criteria first of all. I could have done this during the week, but I thought I'd clarify it right now. It was based on a real event, or it was a film based on that, real that events. happened? Or Inspired by real events. events. Take a line for a Inspired walk as you will. by real events, right. As I, I think I've mentioned in another episode, that makes me think of that Mitch Hedberg uh, joke where he's like, this film is inspired on real events. I took the story about the children who died in the bus crash and I made a movie about a gorilla. <laughs> Which is, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but instead, I went for the 2014 film Wild, starring that actress who was famously stabbed, Reese. Uh, she was stabbed. Reese. Witherspoon? No, with a knife. Hey, you got me, you fucking sausage. One second, one second. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Got him. <laughs> I just chose that film just for that. That's That was it. And, but yeah, 2014's Wild, I believe it's based on a real story of a lady who was a heroin, recovering heroin addict or something, and then she goes walking in the mountains. And that seemed like a thing that I could get on board with, so I chose that. Nice. I am. I'm gonna keep it a little bit country. People could dispute this, but uh, it's largely agreed that it's more or less an adaptation of George Orwell's homage to Catalonia. I'm gonna go with Ken Loach's 1995 film Land and Freedom. Ooh. Okay. Chevenu. Is that is that's Irish, right? Well, you know, it's set during the Spanish Civil War. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I know you did just talk about Spain, yeah. but for some reason, I thought. It no, was you're about thinking Ireland. of the wind that shakes the barley. Uh, I thought there was more than more than one of those. I didn't realize it. Was, like I assumed that Ken Loach had done multiple Irish. He's done one Irish more Irish ones. one. It's called Jimmy's Hall. Ah, okay. it's a good one. Okay, I got. I still haven't seen uh, the wind that shakes the barley. Oh, it's either. excellent! Really, really. Is it good? Great film, okay, yeah. I should definitely watch really, it. Really, really good. Um, and I'm hoping Land and Freedom uh, reaches the same heights because, well, I mean, let's—you're uh, never in bad company with Ken Loach. I feel it's fair to say. Okay. Uh, good luck to you, sir. Uh, I have an offer for you. 2019 Church and a two. I feel like Church is going to be... I'm going to go two. Okay. I don't care who wins. Ah. 
I gotta, I gotta do that again. Sorry. Slight, slight fall there of the coin. The coin is flipping. That's fine. Let's go again. again. Oh, and that this time it bounced off of the table and looked as though it's gone. Uh, hey, Donica's had to stand up. And now he's realized his headphones are on as he walks away from the table. To he's wearing a nice kind right. of Hawaiian shirt. One more time, and that, or, or I'll have to turn the toss okay, over to you. Here we go. All right, let's do it. Let's see if you can toss a coin. Casually yes! cool. He's done it. I said two, remember. What is it? Got a church. Got a church right here. It's a church. Of course it is. It's a Catholic conspiracy. We're watching Land of Land and Freedom. Land, Land and of motherfucking freedom. freedom, bitches. Yes. Motherfucking and bitches there. That's added in. I don't think those are the it's not the original title on IMDb. <laughs> uh okay. Okay. Um well, uh I love you. Bye. I love you too. Bye. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I totally forgot. The criteria for next week is a comedy, a full-on comedy. Donica, your response, what would you like to say? Oh, oh, nothing? Okay, that's interesting. Thank you. Anyway, a comedy. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. Take the sky from me